Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest this morning, whether it's your first time, first couple of times, we welcome you. We are glad to have you in service with us today. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be watching us from, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. Pray that you are blessed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I... Uh, before we get into the word of the Lord this morning, I mentioned this a couple of Thursday nights ago, and this is the first time I've preached since we've started this. But if you are interested, we are doing something uh, new, uh, different, to try to uh, be a blessing and, and uh, with resources. Uh, you can, if you, whether you have an Apple or an Android device, if you, um, you can download the Uversion Bible app the Version Bible app, which is a free app, and on there we are, we are now, I, I can't speak for everyone, I'll, when I preach to the best of my ability, you can go on there and you will be able to get the verses uh, and some of the notes that are being available for your own benefit, uh, for future reference to look back and um, remember, and uh, sometimes uh, there's... I think a lot of preachers, there's material you have in your, in your preparation that you don't get to that's really good stuff. So it provides a way for you to have further uh, opportunity for study and reading. So um, basically you go on there and, and under events, uh, when you come into service, it will pop up as an event. Um, and you can, you can uh, get those notes. And the um, only problem with that is you kind of track and see how far I have to go uh, while I'm, but oh well, that's the, that's the, that's the collateral damage, but uh, anyway, it is our desire, our sincere desire, this is not religion, if it's just religion, then go to church, listen to a preacher rant and rave for an hour and you're good, but this is about relationship and it's about you developing and growing and learning the Word of God for yourself. So again, just as a way of trying to be a blessing, um, we are doing that. We do have a guest Wi-Fi network. You can go on uh, and you don't have to even use your own cellular data to get the app right now. So um, hopefully those of you that may be doing that right now can hurry up and do that so you'll hear <laughs> what I'm about to preach. Praise God. Revelation chapter 1. Starting with verse 1, Revelation 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not done reading, but I want you to get that point. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. If the word of the Lord was saying to John a couple of thousand years ago, the time 
is at hand. How close must we be? It's not my message, just throwing it in there. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the, fi- and the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and killed, and, and which and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail before him. Even so, Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was. Which is to come. The. The. The Almighty. I was. I am. I am to come. That means He's got it all covered. Amplified says the first part of verse 1 this way. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. His unveiling of the divine mysteries. Message Bible says, the first couple of words of that verse, a revealing of Jesus, the Messiah. I preach to you this morning for a little bit on this subject. I want you to notice the order of this, because typically I think it would be said reversed. I want to preach to you this morning on a situation for revelation normally we try to find revelation out of the situation what I've come to preach to you today is God brings situations for revelation for an unveiling of who he is father I thank you for your presence that we have felt in this place today. I thank you God for what you have already done because I believe you have already touched hearts and lives in this place today. You've already accomplished things in this service God but I pray that now through your word your spirit would continue to minister that you would touch somebody's heart today God. Father again today I do not desire to simply preach a sermon because it's expected in a service, but I want to deliver what would be a message from you that would touch somebody's heart today, God. I trust you, believe you for your anointing today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I understand that if you continue on in the book of Revelation, much of the focus of the book of Revelation is what we call the end times, the last days. I believe much of what it talks about is things that are going to be fulfilled in our lifetime. Because if we have ever been in the last days, we are 
in the last days. There are lots of symbolisms throughout the book of Revelation that deal with the end times. We find other books of the Bible such as Ezekiel and Daniel that deal with the end times in a symbolic manner, but I'm just kind of a simple kind of guy. I like it kind of simple and plain. And if you go to the book of Timothy, Paul told Timothy that in the last days, perilous times would come. And Paul gave a listing of things that would be in the last days. And it's a very simple, straightforward list that you can easily find and think of things that fulfill Paul's list. And so based on that alone, I think we are in the last days and all of the symbolisms that we may not be able to quite totally figure out or understand that just the explanation that Paul gave is enough to let us know that we're at the end. And so I understand that much of Revelation is about that, but I haven't come to preach to you today about all of those end time prophetic things. Because I believe that even though that's what the majority of the book is about, there is a very important point that we find in the first verse of this book. There is a principle that I think is demonstrated in just the first few words of the first verse of this chapter of this book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation according to Strong's Greek dictionary means... To take off the cover, to disclose. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word revelation means this. Properly, it is to uncover, it's to lay open what has been veiled or covered up. It is to disclose or to make bare. Metaphorically, it is to make known, to make manifest, to disclose what before was unknown. Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts, he came to Mars Hill and he said, I have noticed that you have an altar that is set aside, that is dedicated, and the inscription on the altar is to the unknown God. They recognized that there was a God. They recognized that there was a God beside their gods. But at that point, he was... The unknown God. And Paul said, I've come to declare to you. I've come to show you who that God is. You see, before you were ever born, God already was. In fact, from the scripture before earth was ever even created, God already was. Was already in existence, but just because God exists, and I do believe He exists, and just because God is real, and I have no doubt that God is real, and just because God has all power, and I have no doubt that He has all power, and just because God is omnipresent and fills all space and time, does not mean He has been unveiled to you. He is, whether you know Him or not. He is, whether you ever experience Him or not. He is. He is. He doesn't need my faith to validate His existence. He doesn't need me to to give my approval that He is. He is with or without me. So I believe it is God's desire, it is God's intent, 
that the principle I have read to you this morning, that that takes place in every single life, that there is an unveiling in every single life, that every individual gets their own knowledge and revelation, not separate and apart from the Word of God. You can't separate who God is and what God is from His Word. So just to make sure you got that this morning. But that you, within the parameters of this book, know for yourself who God is. You see, God can't change. God can't improve. Unlike anything man does, God from His very beginning was everything He could ever possibly be. This past May, I celebrated 24 years of marriage. I know I look way too young to have been married 24 years, but it's, it really is the truth. I actually have. Humor me at least. Come on. I don't care if you laugh at me. Just, you know, make me feel a little better. I, I am not, I am convinced. I believe and I think my wife would agree. I am not the same husband I was the day I stood at an altar and said, I do. I'm not the same. There was, there was much room for improvement then. And unfortunately, there's still much room for improvement now. But I am confident I am a better husband now than I was then. And if Jesus doesn't come and I don't die and I get another 24 years, I expect that at 48 years of marriage to be an even better husband than I was at 24 years. Because that's humanity. But God, there was no God getting better as God. God didn't have room to grow or improve from the very beginning. That's pretty cool because if you were born at the very beginning of time, you got the same God we got today. And if there happened to be, which I don't think there will, but if there happened to be another 2,000 years on this earth left, they'd get the same God then that we have today. So God doesn't change who He is is who He was and who He will be. What changes is my revelation. What changes is how much He is unveiled in my life. That's what changes. And in fact, that's never supposed to stop changing. Because just like with marriage, your walk with God, there's always room to learn more, to know more, to experience more about God than you've ever known before. So he says this is the, this is the unveiling. This is the, imagine with me if you would for a moment, if we had a, if, if there was curtains across this wall and actually this, was a glass wall, and so behind those curtains was glass. If they are closed, what's there is there. 
The fact that you see it or don't see it doesn't, I, I know I'm simple this morning, but stay with me. The fact that you see it or don't see it does not change the fact that it is there. And if someone had the string and began to gradually pull the curtains, there would be an unveiling of what is behind the curtains. But the first few moments as the curtains begin to part, you're only getting just a small glimpse. And in fact, there's a really good chance that by the time they're fully pulled apart, that what you now behold is going to be significantly different than what you saw at first. In fact, there's a chance that you may at first jump to some conclusions about what all you are about to see, but as the curtain widens even more, you find out what was there is different than what you expected. I can tell you sometimes people get a little glimpse of God, and I have to say, unfortunately, it is an inaccurate glimpse, and they jump to some conclusions about God. But if you just stay around long enough, if you just give God enough time to pull the curtain all the way back. I can promise you that by the time it is opened up and you see what is there, you will not be the least bit disappointed. The book of Solomon, a book that is rarely preached from because a little bit graphic if you've never read it. Solomon, in the course of that book, says in one chapter, he goes through all of these very poetic descriptions of God, describing with all kinds of different things that nature and whatever, describing who God is, trying to give a picture of God, but I love it when he gets down to the end of it all. After all of these, you know, really neat things that he's used to describe God, at the very end it just simply says this, He is all Together. He is all together lovely. Now that I've tried everything I know to say to describe Him, let me just sum it up like this. Everything about Him is lovely. In Exodus chapter 3, verse number 13, Moses in the backside of the desert having an encounter with God in the middle of the conversation, God has already instructed Moses that he's going to use him to go to Egypt to be the one to deliver, to lead the people out of bondage. And in verse number 13, it says this, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say? Unto them. Who am I going to tell them has sent me to do this great thing? Really, it seems to me to be a little bit of an odd response, but God says to Moses, You can tell them that I am, that I am, has sent you. You tell them, I am, that I am. That's what you say to the children of Israel. You tell them, I am has sent me unto you. Not I was. 
Not I will be, but I am. I am. I am the one that was. I am the one that is. I am the one that's to come. But I am now when I was, and I am then what I will be. That's confusing, preacher. I know, because that's, that's how big God is. I can't, I can't explain it. He's not the I was. In the past, He's still the I am. In the future, He's not the will be. He's the I am. And in the present, He is the I am. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I think part of what God was saying to Moses was, When you get back to my people and tell my people I'm the deliverer, I want you to know that I am going to unveil myself to be whatever is needed in that moment. So whatever circumstances they face, you just tell them, I am. You just tell them the I am is going to show up and whatever is needed, the I am is going to do what is needed. But but then he says this, he says, Tell them that the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. Why is it that he said that? I'm sure there's some more deep theological meaning to it, but let me give you a practical application of it. I think the reason he said that was because they knew some of the things that God had done for Abraham, and for Isaac, and for Jacob. They knew the stories of what God had done. So I want you to reference what, oh, my mama. I want you to reference what they know as a, as a challenge to their faith of what I can be now. Because when I did that for Abraham, he didn't know I could do it. When I did that for Isaac, he didn't know I could do it. And when I did that for Jacob, he didn't know. But in whatever the situation and circumstances were, I unveiled a little bit more of who I was. And I showed a little bit more of what I can be. So now I want you to go tell my people that I'm about to take them out of bondage and deliver them. And whatever is needed in the moment, I am. I will unveil and reveal myself to be that to them. What I know about the past, what I read about God, this is not a textbook. This is not a historical reference. This is a living word. Part of the purpose of this is for me to read and see what God did And say, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did that then, He can do this now. If He was that then, He will be this now. He will be the I am that I am. I preach to people today, whether you're a guest or you come here all the time, that you're in the midst of some circumstances, that the situation has been designed by God.
for revelation. We, we spend most of our time, whether as Christians in our walk with God or perhaps those that don't really believe in God that are experimenting or opening themselves up to the possibility of a relationship with God. And oftentimes what we look for God to do is simply bail us out of the circumstances and the situations that we are in that we do not like. And many people have become disillusioned with God. And many people have questioned how can there be a God if this happens or if that happens or if He allows this and He allows that. problem is, he's not always trying to show you his power for deliverance. He's not always trying to show you he can heal any sickness, any disease. He's not always going to show you that he can move the mountain. Sometimes he's going to show you, I'm going to be the strength that you need to climb the mountain and then descend the other side. Yeah, I could move it out of the way and you could just walk through on smooth, flat ground. But this time, I'm going to show you a different part of me. I'm going to show you that even though you got to go through some stuff you don't want to go through, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I, I want to show you that I am. How do you know He's the good shepherd that can lead you through the valley of the shadow of death if you've never walked through the valley? of the shadow of death how do you know he's an ever present help in trouble if you've never been in trouble so I've come whether you like it or not and I gotta tell you I'm not even that crazy about what I'm preaching today cause I got some stuff I just want you to take care of God but what if I could step back this morning and realize that whatever the situation is God has uniquely and specifically designed that situation in my life and in your life so that there can be a further unveiling of who He is. Oh, Jesus. God, rather than me just trying to get you to get me out of this, show me who you are in this. The three Hebrew children stood at the at the edge of a fiery furnace with the threat that said, if you do not bow to the king, we're going to throw you in to the furnace. They made a pretty bold declaration. We're not going to bow because our God can deliver us. And I really believe they were expecting him to do so. Some kind of Miraculous descent of angels to stand by and guard them and protect them and prevent them from the fire. But that wasn't God's plan. And fortunately, they said this, not only can our God deliver us, but if He doesn't, meaning, I know God can prevent me having to go through this situation. Oh, hallelujah. 
I know God can avert me from these circumstances, but even if He chooses not to, we still will not bow. And the Bible says, or if I could paraphrase in the context of this message, when those three Hebrew children got in that fiery furnace, they got a whole new unveiling of who God was. They found out that even if He did not prevent them from the fire, He was able to keep them in the fire. Notice where God revealed Himself. In the fire. I mean, it would have been nice if while they were standing there before the king saying, we won't bow. It'd been nice if God would have revealed Himself right there. But the Bible says he wasn't seen until they got in the fire. Because God was saying, I have created this situation to give you further revelation. Can I tell you, I I don't want to sound in any way to be judgmental, critical. Of course, that seems to be the nature of our world today, especially in the middle of a political season. I will leave that there for now and not get myself into any trouble this morning. Now I forgot what I was about to say. Oh yes, now I know. There are people that have become disillusioned with God, with Christianity, because they've been promised some false things. I can tell you today, not just because of this book, But I can tell you today by experience that God is a healer. Can I, can I get a witness of a few hands today? I'm not, I, I'm not talking about what you're, what you believe by faith. I'm talking about by experience because He's done it for you or He's done it for somebody close to you. And so you know that God is a healer. How many of you that just raised your hand that know God is a healer got sickness in your body today? Got loved ones that are sick today? Yes. The problem is all we ever talk about is the healer side. And all we ever promise is the God that will fix everything. But that doesn't always go that way. Sometimes he says, I am the healer and I can be the healer. But like I said to Paul, sometimes I'm going to be grace. And rather than keep you from or take you out of, I... I'm going to take you through it. But I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I already quoted it, but I say it again. The psalmist says, He is an ever-present help in trouble. We want to avoid all trouble. I wonder if there's a possibility if that we live trying to avoid all trouble, then we live avoiding God. We live pain-free, problem-free, difficulty-free, family's good, marriage is good, life is good, job's good, everything's going well. Just, just hang out over here, God. Just stay right here. Just in case it falls apart. But right now, it's good. 
Don't need you. Let me tell you something. When the doctor sits there across from the desk and looks at you and says, I'm sorry to tell you, but the results have come back positive. You've got cancer. You've got this issue. You've got that problem. At that moment, you need him to be an ever-present help in trouble. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. Jesus with the disciples. The Bible says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Tell me what you're hearing about me. And they did that. Some say you are John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's who they say you are. And then he asked this question. Can I paraphrase it? He now asked them, how much revelation do you have? You've heard about me. You've heard what they say about me. But let's see how much of me has been revealed to you. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. They say you're John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, but the curtain has been pulled back for me. There's been an unveiling for me of who you are. And so I can now say you are the Christ. God's desire in this place today, God's desire for your life greater than I could ever get across, communicate with my words or my emotions. God's desire is to unveil Himself in your life individually. Show Himself to you for who He is, for what He can be, for what He can do. Oh, maybe... Our flesh would like it, maybe for your sake, from a fleshly standpoint, He will show Himself to be the healer in your life and take away the sickness and the pain, and the disease, and make you healthy and whole. But He might just decide to be your peace. He might just decide to be your strength. Very familiar verse of the Bible. Most of you, if you've had any exposure to Christianity, have probably heard this verse at some point, and it's a great verse, and it's often used to be a very encouraging and uplifting verse, and that's Romans 8.28, where Paul says, We know that all things work together for good. And we stop right there. We use that when people are going through bad situations in their life and we come along and we pat them on the back and say, God promised everything's going to be okay. It all works for good. And we stop. That's not the end of the verse. Because the rest of the verse gives context to that part. And we know that all things work together for good. But they're working together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. There's some stuff in my life and I know there's some stuff in your life that the only way to call it good, there's got to be a purpose that it's measured against. 
Otherwise, there's some situations that it seems impossible to think they are good. But when I realize that those things that may not seem to be good to me are all working together according to God's purpose in my life, then everything, whether it looks good or bad, is for my good. If you if you if you put a if you if you emptied out a thousand piece puzzle onto a table began to put that puzzle together and if you got nine hundred and ninety nine pieces together. 999 out of a thousand. One single small piece. What's your eye going to be drawn to? The one missing piece. When the pile is sitting on the table as a chaotic mess, pull out one piece and you don't even know it's missing. Pull out one piece and you could say, who cares? In fact, pull out two or three pieces. Who cares? Look at all I have left. But when it's now all put together, that one missing piece becomes extremely significant. I realize when you look at a lot of circumstances and situations in your life, it seems like a pile of chaotic situations. But what you've got to know and trust is God is putting every piece together for the picture of your life. And what in this moment today may seem to be an insignificant piece when God gets it all fitted together. has great value and purpose significance. I close I close with what many of you have heard me say is my favorite verse in the Bible. I will say again, I don't know if you should have a favorite verse because all scripture is important, but let's be honest, most of us have a couple of verses that are our favorite. The Bible says of Job, he was the most upright man of his day. The most. It didn't just say he was a good guy. It didn't just say Job was a great guy. Job was an upstanding citizen. No. The Bible says he was the most, the most, the most upright man of his day. Feared God, served God, committed his life to God. But notice at the conclusion of the trial and troubles Job had been through, I want you to notice what he says in Job 42 and verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. So that means this to me. Everything Job had done to earn him the title of the most upright man had been done simply off of hearing. 
simply off of what other people said about God. Which is pretty amazing. Not diminishing that. Pretty amazing. But that that's the guy, the most upright guy who feared God and served God, who got this compliment from God, says, I heard of you with my ear. But now, my eye sees you. All of that was based on what I heard, not what I had seen. But now that you have given me some situations for revelation, I don't just hear about you anymore. I have now seen you with my own eye. The Message Bible says it this way. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. I once did what I did simply off of rumors about you. But now, I have it all first hand. From my own eyes and ears. I just heard people talk about you before. I just heard people mention you before. But now, God, I have... Seen you first hand. Can I tell you today, it is God's great desire for every individual to see Him first hand. God, somebody's told me about what you've done. Somebody's told me about what you can do. But now, I've seen it my own eyes I think one of the reasons that verse has become my favorite verse if you're a guest today and first time here then you don't probably don't really know much about me sitting back to my left on the last row of this left section is my grandmother my mother's mother I had Great, great, no, I had great grandparents that were preachers, that were Pentecostals, Pentecostal preachers. All four, not one, not two, not three, all four of my grandparents. Three of them were, my grandmother that's sitting here today is a preacher. My parents, both parents, both parents are preachers. Not just my dad, but both parents. My mother is an ordained minister in the organization that this church is a part of. You say, well, that guess it makes sense why you became a preacher. No, not really, because I know a lot of people that could give off the same resume and better that don't want anything to do with God. So the reason this verse has become so significant to me is I've heard, I've heard all about God. 
I got grand, great-grandparents that I didn't hear from directly, but by their life and what they were. I... My parents, I've, I've heard all about God. But at 44 years old, I am no longer living off of what I have heard. I live off of what I have seen. In fact, I believe you only are going to live for God, walk with God for so long, simply based on what you've heard. And that's where it has to start, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. It has to start with hearing. But the idea is that hearing goes to see. So I don't know what situations you've come here with today in your life. I don't know what the situations that have been divinely orchestrated by God in your life. I don't know the specifics of them, but what I can tell you today, without a doubt, I believe with all of my heart that God has created your situation so that He can provide revelation. Pull the curtain back and show you. Yeah, this can tell you some about who I am. But what I really want to do is step into your world. Come right where you are and meet you at the point of your need and let you see for yourself who I am. I could ask you if you would, please, just to bow your head and close your eyes. If nothing else, just maybe out of respect for those around you for a moment. But, but really more so just so you would kind of tune everything else, everybody else out. Kind of eliminate the distractions that may be around you. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. Again, if everyone that would, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this place today, whether it's your first time or it's your thousandth time. And you have some situations in your life. You've got some circumstances that you don't quite understand and you can't quite figure out. And to be honest, you really would like them just to change. But based on what you've heard today, based on the Word of the Lord today, you'd be willing to accept that this has been a message from God to you. You've got some situations in your life today that you need what I preach, that you need God to give you some revelation in your situation to show you a little bit more about who He is, what He is. Would you just stand right where you are? I'm not going to ask you to come. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else beside that at this point. But if you, if today you've got some situations in your life and you'd be willing to acknowledge, Pastor Wright, I, I need God. I need God to show me some more about who He is. I want God to show me some more. I want God to pull that curtain back a little bit farther today. I, I want God to reveal a little bit more to me today so that I can reach the place of being like Job and say, I've heard about you. I've heard a lot about you, God. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. Now I've seen you. In Jesus' name. If I could now ask this, if 
Perhaps some of you would look around and somebody standing nearby you to join with them right now. Would you let the Lord use you to minister to them right now and allow the Spirit of God to touch them. Allow God to do exactly what He wants to do in their life and that is pull the cover back some more. Reveal some more, God, about what you are. Reveal some more, God, about who you are. God, we we can only make it so long living off of what we've heard. We're only going to go so far, God, living off of what we've heard about you. At some point, God, we've got to start seeing you. We can only go so long hearing that you've given others peace. That you've given others grace and strength, God. At some point, God, we've got to see it with our own eyes. I need this situation, God, that you have allowed or this situation that you have created in my life, God. I need it to bring the revelation that it was designed for. I need it to bring the unveiling, God, that you allowed this situation to come for so that I could see, hear, know, learn more about you firsthand. Oh, yes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I, God, I, I don't just want to see you, God. I need to see you. I don't just want to see you, God, but I acknowledge I need, I need to see you in my situation for who you are. I need to see you in my situation for what you can be, God. I need some further unveiling. I need some further unveiling, God. I need some further revelation in this situation I'm in, God. I need to see for myself. I need to see it with my own eyes, God. I know my faith has got to start with hearing it, but I need to go beyond hearing. I need to see. Oh, I want to see you, God. I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Oh, I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord.
open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes, Lord. Open the eyes. Lord, I need to see you. I need to see you. I need to see you. Oh, hallelujah. I am lifted up. Oh, shining in the light of your glory. Won't you pour out, Lord? As we, as we sing, holy, 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 still be praying around you. Open the eyes of my heart, Open the eyes, Lord. Open the eyes. 